live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Real America's Voice, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Slick Rick sitting right here next to me, going to do sports. It's me and you, Slick, tonight. Rock and roll, baby. <laughs> no Paul, no Rick Delgado. He's on his way to Florida, if not already there. Tampa. Me and the Slickster hanging out tonight. We got lots to cover. We're going to do sports. We got a lot, a lot going on in sports tonight, Slick. Big time. NFL draft. It's all about the draft. Big D. Rock and roll on the clock right now. Eight o'clock. Okay. And of course, you really, well, I guess you care about the other picks too, right? But you only really, really care. About the 26th pick. About the who Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys are going to pick. But, I mean, who's left at 26 that's going to mean anything? I like a tight end at Notre Dame this year. But okay. that's Okay. All right, very good. So Slick Rick will keep an eye on the draft. Other sports going on tonight as well. We'll get into that. We'll get into some news. We'll get into the president today. Um, Man, he had some of the toughest questions that he's had in a long time. Oh, Damon, who asked him? Were they people in the press briefing room? No. (laughs) Were they people waiting for him outside the White House uh, when he went into Marine One? No. No, they were like five and six-year-olds in the uh, waiting line there outside, outside this event that they were having. And he got peppered with questions that he could not answer from five-year-olds. And I'll play them for you. He has no idea where he's been. He has no idea who he is. He has no idea how many grandkids he has. He has no idea about anything. But he was very clear about one thing he said. And if you follow us on our social media at LFS6B, you may know what I'm talking about because I, I tweeted it and I said, hmm, that one he seems pretty sure about. So I'll play all of those for you tonight. We'll get into a lot of the news. Um, we'll get into this whole thing going on with Mike Pence today. And then he testifies for Jack Smith. And the whole idea that he's there um, under these circumstances, that you have an administration that has gone this far into police state tactics to take what clearly seems to be something that Congress should be having the authority to look into, if, if, if it's going to be looked into at all. And that, of course, is January 6th and the electors and how they come to Congress and what happens on that day, constitutionally. Um, The idea that the founders could have ever imagined, well, the founders couldn't even have imagined something called an attorney general back then, or a position like a Jack Smith holds. But the idea that this administration has gone this far to criminalize this, that clearly constitutionally lays with Congress, um, is... It's pretty scary stuff and in, in just another, another push in the police state that we're quickly living in more and more. And everybody will make, a, everybody I've seen make a you know, fact of that Pence was there. Seven hours, Pence, and then they make it all about Pence. <laughs> but it's really all about the administration and the idea that they think that, and they're just, they're just grabbing the power to do this. They're just doing it taking something that constitutionally I don't think gives them any authority to do this. But they're doing it nonetheless, like a lot of things they just do. Like sign executive orders on things that Congress should probably be um, coming up with as well. 
So Mike Pence is there for seven hours testifying to Jack Smith about um, January 6th and the electors and the last, the last election. And I see everybody reporting on it today in every place you look. If you go to Twitter and you just type in Mike Pence and then look, about every fourth or fifth thing is you see is historic this, historic that, first time, historic. Well, yeah, yeah, it, it is, because who could have ever imagined that we would get to this point in this country? The founders certainly couldn't have. So that's why it's historic. That's why it's first. Doesn't mean it's good. And doesn't mean it should be. So if we have time, we'll get into some of that. There's lots to get into. John Solomon and Justin News had some news today as well. We have a couple LOLs. We have a couple great pieces by Christopher Carter. And I saw the president today, our own David Zier, was covering in the network covered today, the president up in New Hampshire. And um, the president's always good. The speech is always very similar. I had it on in the background while I was working, and the president was good. And, and the thing that just jumps out, I mean, the speech is for the most part always, always the same. There's nothing, nothing, um, nothing all too different that I heard today. Good policy stuff. Kind of good, um, you know, kind of off script story stuff of, of his time in office again with dealing. But I mean, just the, the, to see Biden today literally get stumped by five. I mean, literally get stumped by five-year-olds. <laughs> And then to watch the president t- today, as he always is, is able to just talk about anything at any time in front of anybody, take any question. He can go in and out of any topic, domestic, foreign, whatever it is. I mean, just sharp as attack on top of his game, knows what he wants. Not afraid to take just open questions, has no idea who's going who's gonna to ask him questions today. And he got a couple good ones. He got a couple duds too. But he he took the duds and made them good. Um, and he gave a good answer, by the way, when the somebody asked him about, you know, I know you want to look forward, but we, what about twenty twenty? And I think he gave a good answer in saying, I, I replied to an email the other day. You know, the the way you go back and the way you go back is to win the, you know, look forward to the. You got to win the future to go to fix the past. You're not going to go back and fix 2020. We all know what happened in 2020. Not that we should just say, okay, oh, well, we'll just move on. I mean, state legislatures have done some good things. Things have, but I thought the president's response was good. And he didn't, he didn't stay there and harp on it uh, and just talk about, woe was me about 2020. He's got to look forward. He's got to make the case. And I think he knows that. And he, and he is making the case through all these videos he keeps putting out. And uh, who cares what the polls say? Who cares? I mean, I, I, even I've been sharing some polls. And his, his own pollsters got him down. You know, the, you see these polls. DeSantis beats him, but, uh, but he loses to Biden, but DeSantis beats Biden. It's, who cares what these polls say? None of them are right, especially now. So uh, the president should stay focused on the future, stay focused on what he should do. He has a huge... He has a huge advantage when, it, when you come to dealing with this world. And by the way, what Biden is doing plays right into that advantage because Biden's making the world so extremely dangerous that it's hard to think about anybody who hasn't had that kind of experience being able to take it um, from here. 
once Biden decides he's not running or Obama decides he's not running or he drops out or, or whatever happens to him. I think the other case, by the way, and certainly he's not taking advice from me because who cares what I think, but uh, the one thing I do think that he could make the case is um, effectively you're voting in this next election. If you're voting for Biden, you're voting for Kamala Harris to be the president. That's, that's effectively what you're doing. In the press briefing room the other day, um, Dummy was asked, I don't even know why she was asked. It's kind of a weird question. Will the president, when he, will the president serve all eight years after he just announced he's rerunning? I mean, I don't know if that implies the person thinks he's going to die or he's going to uh, get too. T- he's just going to say, uh, I can't do this anymore. But her answer was, that's going to be up to him to decide. Why isn't the answer just yes? Of course he is. That's why he's running, uh, John, or whoever asked the question. But it wasn't. It was, that's going to be up for the president to decide. So effectively, you're voting for Kamala Harris if you're voting for Biden. That's who you're voting for to be president. Because every day that goes by, the chance of that actually happening gets a little higher. And if that's not a scary thought, I don't know what is. But that's effectively what you're doing. Did you see the president at all today, Slick Rick? I did not. He was good. He's always good. The speech is good. Oh, yeah. Um, and the crowd's fired up. We took some questions. And David was there. I talked to David, well, at least by text afterwards. He was going to try to come on, but they're traveling because they're moving. They got stuff this weekend um, at the border. Speaking of that, we got a couple LOLs of the day today. One of them is quite amusing. Speaking of the border, nice, quick, and to the point. Um, so there's lots to get into here. Speaking of Biden, just a couple little housekeeping things from town hall today. Biden's devastating new job approval rating. This is from Gallup News out this morning. Americans' view of President Biden's job performance has been in the doldrums for months. And even Democrats and a concerning number of independent. Have, did you see the polling, by the way, on the Democratic side right now? RFK Jr. is polling at 20%. And that nutjob Williamson is polling at, you know, 9 or 10 or something like that. But I think between the two of them, it's like 30%. Biden's at 59 or whatever, 60 in, in the, just the Democratic Party. But... He's polling 20%. He's barely said anything or done anything. He just barely announced. This is why the DNC is saying no debates, because you give him a little momentum, and Biden keeps doing like what he did today, and keeps doing one disaster after another disaster. You really could have a Democratic primary if they wanted to. Easily. They really could have Easily. one. After months spent underwater approval, Gallup delivered more bad news for Biden in the same week he announced via pre-recorded 6 a.m. video that he was running for re-election. Their latest survey of Americans' view of Biden, just 37% approve of the job he's doing. And I don't care how many times he tells us, every, every president's in this position, as he said the other day, every, every president is always in right here in this same, no. No. And even if, even if you argue that the numbers, 37, 38, 40, they're in this area, no, no president has presided over, not even Jimmy Carter, 
<laughs> the two and a half years we have had with this guy. And you will not convince me that even the Democrat side feels it and lives it every single day. I saw somebody on man on the street thing in New York City the other day, and every single person they went up to, they asked about Biden. And they said he should just, I mean, just hang it up in New York City. So you can't convince me that all of them aren't feeling it. So 37% may be the number, but that's all that is, is a number. That's in, in, in people's life, in people's, uh, in their soul, what they're living. You could take off the three or the seven, and that's, that's probably what the percentage they feel, like 3% or 7%. If you're, a good day, maybe seven. That's the lowest point of Biden's presidency at 37%. And that's a poll from April 3rd to April 25th, the day Biden announced he was running again. And we knew going in that even a big swath of the Democratic Party says, we don't want this guy running again. So, all right, just getting started, me and Slick Rick hanging out I'm with you on a Thursday night. He's going to do sports. We'll do it when we get back right after this. From Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Slick Rick and I hanging out with you on a Thursday. Glad you're here. Glad you're a part of the show as always. Slick's going to do some sports. We're going to get to some good video today of Biden today taking some of the hardest questions he's taken probably in about, I don't know, three, four months. Of course, it was from five-year-olds, but didn't matter. Still stumped them. Really? I mean, really stumped them. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to the Federal Reserve. I mean... I don't know. This, this administration literally cannot do anything right on any level, not in the cabinet positions, not over at the SEC, not over at the Fed. Think about the Federal Reserve. Whoever his staff is comes into him and says, sir, you have a phone call with President Zelensky of Ukraine. Now, you would think these things are planned out for the Fed. You would think he's got a tight schedule. They've got to have a calendar that's planned out for months. So somehow, he ends up on a phone call, the Fed, with someone who he thinks is the president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, Vlodimir Zelensky. Well, it's not. It's some prankster radio host who talks like Zelensky. And they clearly have no vetting going on. They had no idea. And they put the Federal Reserve Chairman on the phone with him. And he gives up all kinds of information that's not publicly disclosed yet. And, of course, these guys video it, have a video conference, and they put it out. So I'll play you that video. And it's just like, what is going on? You, you, we have leaked material going out all over the world. Nobody knows who else has seen it? Who else has got it? you got this young 21-year-old now arrested. Nobody's lost their job. 
Now you have a situation like this, and not that this is the end of the world, but don't you think you vet these calls? Don't you think you know who you're putting the, <laughs> the guy on the phone with? Don't you have a way to like make sure it is who they say they are? Like, let's call the White House right now and see if I can get on the phone with Janet Yellen. You think they're going to just patch me through? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how these things happen. Kevin McCarthy was asked about it today from Bloomberg. So I'll show you that as well. So, uh, But at 19 past the hour, let's do some sports. Since we didn't do any last night, because Slick Rick was off, uh, we got here for the last couple minutes. Uh, right. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow, mypillow.com slash LFS6B. Use our code LFS6B at checkout for 10 to 60% off. And, of course, if you do support Mike Lindell, and I know Mike Lindell can certainly use the support, uh, we'll sweeten the deal and throw in something free from our store, 6bmerch.com. Pick out that Slick Rick sports shirt. We'll send it to you absolutely free for supporting Mike Lindell. Slick Rick, what's going on in sports? All right, Big D, I'm smiling because, you know, we got NFL draft tonight, big draft for the football season, and Bryce Young just went number one out of Alabama, picked just in. The commissioner just announced it. Commissioner Goodell, not my favorite guy in the world, but Bryce Young, good quarterback out of Alabama, good for the Carolina Panthers. Lot to cheer about, Big D. We'll see what happens. Good young man, played under Lou Saban. You're talking about an NFL type of college. Nick uh, Saban. You know, what? Nick Saban. Nick Saban, excuse me. Nick Saban. Lou Saban is the Buffalo Bills old coach many, many years ago. Nick Saban. So great, great move here. And we'll see what happens with Bryce Young. So Carolina Panthers, congratulations to you. You got yourself a number one quarterback. Go get him. And then we'll keep track of the NFL draft tonight. Pick number two when that comes in. I'll give you that as well. But let's go to the rodeo. Clovis Rodeo. We've been covering that since Monday night. Steer Wrestling. We're in the second round. Jesse Brown and Trell. It Bauer, 4.4 seconds, $2,400 each. Second round as well in team roping. Cooper White and Tucker White, 6.6 seconds. Tied down roping, Marty Yates, 8.6 seconds. And Barrel Racing, Summer Castle, 16.83 tenths. Great score, $391,350,000 payout. Let's shoot over to the scoreboard. We've got the playoffs going on, both NBA and NHL right now. And uh, let's get over to the... Uh, Scores in the, uh, well, we'll go to Major League Baseball first. Orioles over the Tigers right now, 3-2. That's bottom of the fifth. Rays lead the White Sox, 4-2. Down in Chicago, top of the fifth. The Mets over the Nationals, 2-1, bottom four. Twins lead the Royals, 3-0, top of the third. No score, Yankees and Rangers down in Texas. That's in the top of the third. And the Marlins, uh, that was a 5-4 win over the Atlanta Braves earlier today. Dodgers uh, fell to the Pirates, 6-2. Pirates, uh, excuse me, Phillies over the Mariners, 1-0. Cubs, 5-2 over the Padres. 6-0 Cardinals over the Giants. And the Angels defeated the Athletics earlier this evening. Um... Looking for the NHL score. Okay, so NBA, we have the Celtics and the Hawks. Big D, that's going to tip off in about eight minutes. Mm. That's a big game tonight. Game six, Boston leads the series three games to two. Hawks looking to even that up. We'll see. Boston sports fans are a little nervous little over nervous. these next couple of nights between their Bruins, who were supposed to just run through everybody, and the Celtics, who were supposed to run through everybody. All of a sudden, both teams are looking at three and two series going, uh, wait, huh? Yep. You never know. They say well, that's why they play the games, right? So uh, we'll keep an eye on that as well down in Atlanta. By the way, Janet Jackson was supposed to have a concert in Atlanta tonight. That got nixed because of the Hawks. Not great scheduling on the uh, concert in the NBA world. 
Uh, NHL, let's move to the ice. A couple of big playoff games tonight as well. East, first round, game five. Toronto up three games to one. And right now, the Lightning are up two to one over the Leafs, looking to get that series back into Tampa. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. 12, uh, 13.44 to go in the second period. And the Rangers and Devils, a great series. So what happened? The Rangers went to Jersey, 1-2. The Devils came to New York. In the Garden, 1-2. One, two. Series is tied. And right now, the series is no longer tied. Devils are up one nothing over the Rangers. Uh, let's see. End of the first period. That is a game a lot of people have a lot at stake. You talk about misery over the summer. Imagine New York losing to Jersey. Woo, not good. So, we'll see what happens there. And Jets and Golden Knights, 10 p.m. puck drop. Out in where? Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and they're playing in Vegas. That series, the Knights are up 3-1, to one, looking to close out Winnipeg and move on to the second round. So we'll keep an eye there. Great, great stuff tonight. Great night in sports. And, uh, well, I got a couple of quick stories. Big deal. I might as well get into it. I got a little time tonight, right? You got plenty of time. All there time we want, go. So well, eh, not a good story here. But a broadcaster makes suicide joke after a team's poor start. St. Louis Cardinals veteran and broadcaster. Al Raboski has advice for uh, other Cardinals broadcasters after the Cardinals get off to a very poor start. And he said, uh, make sure you're not tempted to jump. The Cardinals, a team not used to struggling much during any part of the season. The president says that every day to somebody. Oh, exactly. (laughs) Al Raboski said the wrong thing today. He got beat up on social media. But the Cardinals, a team that is is, uh, not used to struggling, uh, has lost 16 of their first 25 games in five of their last six. After last night's loss to the San Francisco Giants, Roboski suggested during the post-game show that those broadcasting the Cardinals games avoid the top floors of all tall buildings because they might jump. <laughs> uh, reaction on Twitter to Roboski's joke Did the people think he was serious? Of course they did. Well, why not, Big D? They jumped on Twitter. They gave Roboski the business. And I'll ad-lib on this. So Al Roboski was a pitcher for the Cardinals back in the 70s. A lot of the fans will remember him. He was called the... Uh, Mad Hungarian, if you remember. He had 97 saves in a 13-year career. Also pitched for the Chiefs, I'm sorry, the Royals and the Atlanta Braves back in the day. And long story short, Al Roboski, he's a very outspoken guy, a little crazy. But uh, yeah, oh, they thought right away they went, to, they went to crucify him. I mean, literally, the president says it in every speech course, to somebody. Looks jump. up, don't jump. Looks yeah. around, don't jump. Hey, guys, don't jump. I mean, that's his, like his running, one of his running of 30, you know, lousy jokes that he tells. Well, the Mad Hungarian got in trouble, Big D. The Twitter came down on him. The fans came oh, down boy. on him. You know, the whole bit. You know, they don't want him They think they're going to jump. But I think the Cardinals will bounce back. But however, wanted to get that story out there. Got another story about a, a uh, reporter who went on the other side and got fired from ESPN today. She said the wrong thing. I, would oh, I saw that story. That was oh. a little, That one might be a little more deserved. <laughs> I wanted was, to ask you how exactly I could, I could enunciate that, that to the crowd. That was a little harsh. <laughs> yeah, but I haven't gotten to that. words you don't throw around, so. <laughs> no. Slick Rick, there's a lot of love in the chat for that lavender jacket with the purple shirt and the boots to go and they want to see the boots but kids what do we got right we're at eight thousand we got to get the twenty thousand for the boots so i want to allow it (laughs) i'm glad we're on the same page slick right always all right we're back right after this Thirty minutes past the hour. 
live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. I just said the Slick Rick, Slick Rick, 20,000 may be in the cards tonight. Look at the audience go here. Sharon liking. This thing is flying. Come on. 92 already with an hour and a half to go. 20,000 may be on the table. Now, Ooh. Slick says he's, he's these are 20K kind of boots he's got on tonight. So There you are. Yeah, so we, we just have to. I saw someone in here say, you know, batten down the hatches, call your friends, call your cousins, share, like, let's go. Come on. Fired up. 20K, here we go. There's nothing else to watch at this hour anymore. Come on, Big D, we're here. <laughs> Come on. We know that. The word's out. Man, did you see those, some of those numbers? Well, we'll go through those in, in a little bit. But, oh, my God. They, they, they took a beating, and, he, and Tucker's in 24 hours has got like – 70 million yeah. views on that one tweet. So Good for them. But it's uh, like Bud Light. Right. They get what they deserve. Yeah, exactly right. So um, here's what the uh, last couple years has shown us. That is the toxic air between all of the trail derangements, what's going on in East Palestine, Ohio. Of course, the president still doesn't have time to go there. Uh, but toxic air can now, there's another one in Wisconsin today, can threaten our health. Airborne chemicals, viruses, and germs known to cause allergies and illness can pose serious threats to your health. In fact, allergies are the sixth leading cause of chronic illness in the U.S. And, you know, we're heading into allergy season. Some say it's going to be the worst we've ever experienced. And because of that, I wanted to welcome back to the show George Negron, Vice President of EnviroCleanse. Uh, you hear me talk about it each and every night. And George has been nice enough to jo join us tonight. George, how are you? I'm doing well. How's everyone doing tonight? Very good. Welcome back to the uh, welcome back to the show. And I think it's good timing because number one, even guys here on the show, Aaron, who's the technical director of the show, is already struggling with allergies. My wife's struggling with them. My kids a little bit. I've been lucky enough to kind of avoid them, but we're heading into allergy season now. Um, but let's start with some of the big questions here. And viral cleanse, I talk about it each and every night. Uh, why do people even need an air purifier? And Tell the audience, maybe new to EnviroCleanse, why you guys are different. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I guess why would you need an air purifier when you think about it? We're mindful for the food we eat, the water we drink. We filter that out. But often we only have one air supply and we take that for granted. And unfortunately, the environment outside is polluted and our air is about eight times more polluted. So unless we have a good air purifier inside the home, we're the breathing apparatus for that. So company like EnviroCleanse uses a Department of Defense technology originally designed to get rid of some of the world's most harmful chemicals and biological agents. We've taken that technology and put it inside a commercial and residential air purifier that can be easily deployed and used to remove some of these things that range from viruses, pathogens, VOCs. I mean, you name it, there's a cocktail of pollutants in our air. And unless we do something about it, we're going to breathe it in and suffer. Yeah, you know, I think people overlook the fact that you just said, and it's such an important part of when you talk about this, you said, um, you know, when you're talking about the Department of Defense and the U.S. Navy um, using this technology, there's got to be a reason. I mean, you've got a lot of high-profile customers, and I think when people look at a product, they're going to go, okay, well, it looks good, it sounds good, but who's using it? Well, you guys have got, you guys have got people using it. Tell us a little bit about those customers. Yeah, we've been very fortunate. So we're in over 250,000 classrooms, which means every single day, 6 million students worldwide breathe clean air because of the work that we've been able to do. So we're very fortunate and honored to do that. And during the selection process, I think that often 
people got this federal funding and they were looking at it from a cost standpoint, we were able to go in there and educate them on the uniqueness of the technology saying, you know, COVID was the issue at the present time, but you're dealing with environmental pollutions. A lot of these schools are located in close proximity to industrial high industrial factories, highways, and that's not going to go away. So when they put an air system like ours, it's really scalable and it's really protecting the students and the faculty of those schools. So we're very happy to have some very high profile customers, but every individual household still needs this. And we're really as equally excited to, to you know, get the word out to them as well. Yeah. So let's let's talk about those individual households right now, because as I let in, I said that some are saying this will be the worst allergy season we've ever had. Uh, people who really struggle with it are already starting to struggle with it. So um Let's talk about those people, because when you make this kind of an investment in something, and something that's obviously your health, something that you know bothers you for a, a significant portion of the year, uh, talk to allergy sufferers suffers about the EnviroCleanse and what that can do for them during this upcoming season. Yeah, absolutely. Some little data points to share. It's the highest ever early childhood asthma rate and allergy rate in history, and it's only climbing. That's because the air we're breathing and the air that's coming in from the outdoors is just getting worse and worse. So, I mean, every city you see getting rated with an F quality by the EPA. So what it does for allergy sufferers is beyond taking care of the allergens, the pollens, the dander, it's going to take care of those chemical aspects that often are triggers for allergies. So the VOCs, the NOx, the SO2s, um, put it down into layman terms, those are what's created by pollution, traffic, buses sitting idle. I mean, every time I see a school bus idle and then you see all the kids surrounded by it and all the car lines at school with the parents sitting there, that's all pollution that gets makes its way to the air, makes its way to the residential neighborhoods and it comes into our home supply and we're breathing it in. So without an apparatus or piece of equipment like EnviroCleanse, you're gonna suffer and get those long-term effects. And for allergy sufferers, it just gives you a very miserable time to deal with it. Okay, so let's, let's talk about this because I think, um... When people, again, get a product like this, you know, you put it in your house, your office, you turn it on, but do they really know what it's doing? So how does somebody know, is the air going to seem different? Are they going to feel different? Are they going to look at it and go, oh, look at it all it's collecting? Tell people like how they're going to know it's working. What's the one thing that's going to really stand out to them and say, wow, what a difference? That's a great question. You should feel the difference and the air should feel crisper, lighter and cleaner. But one thing we do different or what's unique about our company is with every purchase, we'll send an air quality monitor to you. So you're going to be able to judge the air, kind of see it, look at your particular level, look at the VLCs, see where it stands. Then you crank the machine on. You give it some time. You let it see it over a period of time and let you be the judge of your air. So we're going to put our money where our mouth is and let you experience the results. And if you're not getting the cleanest air possible, we'll let you return it within 30 days. So we're one of the few people that make that claim because we stand behind and believe in the technology. All right. It's great stuff. Again, we're going into maybe the worst allergy season we can. So, George, tell I, I've seen people in the chat talking about it. They're waiting on theirs. They've got one coming. It's good to see. Uh, tell this audience where they can get more information if they want to kind of build up their knowledge more about your product. Where can they go and what kind of offer are you guys offering the Live from Studio 6B audience? Absolutely. So one thing that we want to do is make sure that we include the best promo possible. So if you go to ekpure.com, that's ekpure.com. With every purchase, you're going to be able to get a free air quality monitor. And if you use the coupon code 6WP, that's going to give you an extra 10% off. But do take advantage of taking your time. Look at the case studies. Look at the testimonials. Look at the testing reports. Because that's what really separates us from any of the lower grade or air purifiers that are out there. Is we've done a lot of ton of studies 
in laboratories and real world scenarios to give you the peace of mind that we are the right choice. And with every purchase, you're going to get that air quality monitor and you have a full 30 days, test your air and put our system to the test. George, love having you on. Really timely stuff. Again, people suffer with this, and some some people really suffer with it. So I'm excited. I'm actually waiting on mine right now. I'm excited to get it, try it out. Uh, thanks for coming on the show again. I appreciate you guys. Have a great night. Thanks, you too. All right, live from Studio 6B, 38 past the hour on a Thursday night. Slick Rick's here is with me. We're doing sports. We'll do some more sports. Slick Rick's monitoring all the playoff games and obviously the NFL draft tonight as well. Uh, that was George from EnviroCleanse. Again, uh, EnviroCleanse, ekpure.com. ekpure.com. Use code America for 10% off, and they'll send you that air monitor. You can check it. That's pretty cool. I'm going to I'm gonna do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. do that. I'm going to test it in my house before and then after and see. Seeing is believing, big date. Come on. Yeah. yeah. And we and we I th- we don't really suffer in our house, but my, my wife can, my daughter, my wife both can tell the difference as the seasons change. So we'll see. Um, all right. So getting back to Biden's poll numbers, there's one, there's one key point in this article today that um, they say notably Biden's approval rating average for his ninth quarter in office is the worst of any president, worse than Jimmy Carter, worse than Donald Trump in the same time period, broken down by party, just 83% of Democrats still approve of the job, the job Biden's doing, while the president's approval among independents is now at 31%, down nine points from the February poll. Somehow, 4% of Republicans currently approve of Biden's performance. Well, that's, I mean, you've got Mitt Romney. You've got, um, well, who knows who they asked? Kinzinger. So 4% of Republicans somehow, which is probably even a bogus number. But Biden at this point, nine quarters in is the worst. So um, other thing that came out this morning, obviously I want to touch on, and we've been talking a lot about it on this, on this show, is the economy. And I, I was happy to see how many people were really interested in my M, the M2 money supply that we spoke to. Because sometimes things like that, you know, you can make you want to pull your hair out. But people were really interested in it. I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of requests for the charts. I got a lot of requests for that segment, which I think is going up, if not tomorrow morning, uh, on Saturday morning. That'll be up on all our social media. That six minutes that we spent talking about the M2 money supply. And it just goes to show that people are feeling the pinch. People are looking at their grocery bills and looking at their just their whole financial life going, what the hell's going on here? When is this going to end? They're watching the stock market basically trade sideways or down, and they're saying, when is this going to end? You're holding any other risk assets, you're seeing the same thing. The M2 money supply is now contracting for the first time in a century. I shared another chart about shipping, actual box shipping is absolutely plummeting. People are not buying things. People are not spending money. People have lived off credit. People have depleted savings. This is where the consumer is. The consumer is not holding up. They have not been holding up, nor are they holding up. We are staring recession in the face, guaranteed, and I don't rule out depression 
given the tax policy mixed in with all this that's coming from this White House, who doesn't even hint at, by the way, seeing a spending problem. Not even a hint of slowing down. He wants a clean debt ceiling so that he can put the pedal to the metal. Never mind tap the brakes. You know, guys like Andy Biggs and, and Gates and guys who didn't even sign on to this, uh, the debt ceiling passed that Congress passed and sent now to the Senate. You had those four Republicans who said, it's, this, is not, this is not even worth voting for because it's not even like, it's barely blowing on the brake. It's not even tapping the brake. We need to slam on the brakes of spending. Slam on the brakes. We're barely tapping it, if not just blowing on it. So what's the sense of signing on to this? It's not going to get to Biden anyways. Most likely it won't even get out of the Senate. Maybe it will because of the Feinstein uh, issue. And of course, Biden's going to veto it because he wants a clean debt limit uh, raise with nothing attached to it, no spending cuts, pedal to the metal, economic socialism in full gear, redistribution of wealth continues on, power grab continues on, and they, they will not and do not want to slow down. But we found out today that the growth in this country, GDP, came in even lower than expected. Stagflation is here, folks. Stagflation is here. GDP much weaker than expected. On inventory plunge is the headline from Zero Hedge. Stagflation is here. We'll get into this more after we do sports. When we get back right after this on a Thursday, we're glad you're in. We're heading to 20K. to the hour on a Thursday night, live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Slick Rick's here, going to do some sports. We've got news to get to. We talked about uh, gross domestic product out this morning. Not good. Economy, not good. I want to talk about the nuclear family a little bit as well, as the Democrats um, continue to, of course, target that. We'll go back a little bit when some of us were growing up. We'll talk about the nuclear family. The nuclear family is key to democracy by Stephen Feinstein today. Good piece. So true. Uh, we'll talk about a couple of Hunter Biden things. Nearly 80% of voters closely following. I thought I was kind of surprised by this headline. Of course, you think about the 51 intelligence um, scum who now we know. This whole story, how they signed, how this letter from Blinken started it to cover for Hunter Biden. And of course, people have made the argument if the American people knew about Hunter Biden and truly knew what was going on on that laptop, certainly would have affected what happened in 2020. And this proves that point. Miranda Devine today in the New York Post headline, nearly 80% of voters closely following Hunter Biden scandals as 2024 nears. 
So if, that just proves the point of what people have said. They would have closely monitored it in 2022 if they had known the truth. If they had known the truth. So, all right, we'll get into some of that. Let's do some sports, though. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. MyPillow.com slash LFS6B for all the best deals. I actually went to that page today. Man, there are some great, there's some things on there I don't even know are there. You know there's pajamas on there that look great. There's Nice. There's all kinds of stuff on that page uh, for the LFS6B audience, and you use the promo code LFS6B, and then you send us your receipt that you get emailed from Mike Lindell and forward it to LFS6B at yahoo.com. Show us that you used it, and then pick something out from our store, 6bmerch.com. Pick out a shirt, hat, whatever you want, mug people have asked for. Slick Rick's sports shirts are flying out the door. We'll send you something for free. As a thank you for supporting Mike. So people love this deal. We may end, may end up costing me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will. Doesn't but it always? I don't care. Yeah. Uh, let's do some sports look, Rick. What's going on? All right, Big D. Well, we got the NFL draft going on. Ohio State, C.J. Stroud just went in the second, number two. And uh, number three, well, we got uh, the offside linebacker from Alabama goes to the Texans there. So we got uh, we got a lot of good draft going on, Big D. Fifth round, we're right on the clock, number five. Denver's getting ready to pick. So uh, I think uh, the kid from Florida, Richardson, could yeah, be. Yeah, he's going to be really good, Richardson. He could be the no sleeper question. of quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a cannon hoisted on his right shoulder. He does. No question about it. So we got a great draft. Yeah, so Richardson went to the Colts, Indianapolis Colts. They desperately needed a quarterback, Big D. And Will Anderson went, obviously, to the Texans. Bryce Young, the number one pick from Alabama to the Texans, who also desperately needed a quarterback. So uh, right now... By the way, did I see a graphic that said that he's the first Alabama player to go number one in the draft, in the common draft? Is Is that true? Yeah, well, I don't know. Nick Saban, I, he's got a great team, but I don't know. Maybe nobody's gone number one. They, they've never had any big name quarterbacks, you know, in, in the last well, in the last number of years. I could have anyway. swore that was on the bottom of the screen. I was stunned by it. Wow, that's unbelievable. Because all the great plays they produce in a, in a draft, they usually the first fifty guys, four or five of them are from Alabama, easily, right? The, between the defense and the offense. But hey, you never know. You, you, that's why they uh, that's why they do the draft. That's why they play the games. You never know what's going to happen. But uh, boy, Bryce Young, I think he's going to make a big impact. Impact. But I do like that Anthony Richardson from Florida. I've liked him from the Gators from day one. I love I love the Gators down in Florida. So uh, we'll see what happens there as well, Big D. Let's get to the ice, though. NHL playoffs heating up. The Devils now gone up 2-0 over the Rangers. Devils are making a comeback, Big D. They dropped the first two. We thought they were in trouble. Ooh, they've come back from Jersey. They're looking to take a three games to two lead over the Rangers. A lot of people like the Rangers to make it to the conference finals. We'll see again. I always say we'll see what happens. You know why I always say that? Because we're going to see what happens. Because you got to wait right till the end. That's why it comes down to that. Maple Leafs right now up in Toronto hosting the Tampa Lightning. That is also a game five. Toronto with a three to one commanding lead. And what do you know? Well, the Lightning are leading two to one. Looking to bring them down to Tampa. Back to Amelie Arena. We'll see there again. End of end of the second period. And the Jets and Golden Knights. Golden Knights uh, up three games to one. Looking to close out the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know, a lot of these games, Big D, you know, you think you got the right team. They're up three games to one. Next thing you know, you're in a game seven. That's why I love the playoffs. I really, really do. So uh, NBA action right now. The Hawks are 
trailing the Celtics by one. Hawks holding on for dear life, down three games to two. Must-win situation. They're in hot landing tonight, so we'll see if they can pull that out. I'd like to see that because the Sixers, my Sixers, Philadelphia, they're going to take on the winner of this series, and uh, I like playing the Hawks a lot more than I like playing the Celtics because we haven't beat the Celtics since 1982, but not to get too personal. All right, Slick Rick, 13th Apostle 67 says first quarterback from Alabama as the number one pick. So maybe that that's makes what it sense, says. yeah. Not but necessarily the first Alabama who would he player first to go pick? number one. I can't one. even think of anybody from Alabama that would have been the first pick. That, that comes to mind in my mind that in the last X amount of years. Well, what was Tua? Tua was a quarterback, so he wouldn't have been number one. You know, what would he have been? Four or five? I don't know. Sure. I don't know. Um, yeah, so again, keep an eye on the draft. And, uh, well, C.J. Stroud, who just went at number two, he shrugged off concerns over low cognitive test results. Uh, this is Dylan Gwynn of Breitbart, former Ohio State quarterback. C.J. Stroud has spent the lead-up draft week getting hounded by the media over poor results from S2 cognitive uh, tests he takes. Apparently, they give all these guys a test to see, you know, obviously how smart they are IQ-wise. And Stroud said, look, I don't want to diss the NFL. I know those skills. Skills are very important to take. He says, I scored low, unfortunately. He says, however, my football IQ is off the charts. I'm looking to do well. By the way, he went number two, so he ain't doing too bad, Big D. So that's it. And that's a wrap in sports for this uh, segment. Why is someone in the chat saying on-air personalities are ignoring the death of Mike Lindell's father? We talked about it three nights ago. Oh, yeah. That was a couple nights ago. Slick Rick said something about it on air. We talked about it. 100%. Are you watching every show, or are you just making stupid comments? God, it's so annoying. I don't think any show loves Mike Lindell more than we do. And we talked about, about it right on air. Love Mike. All right, anything else in sports? No, nah, that's a wrap, Big D. I'm put it back to you. I got plenty coming up later. All right, very good. So I, I, I said this at the beginning of the show. You just have to wonder what the vetting process is over at the White House. Here is the... Um, Here is the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, on a phone call that he thinks is with Zelensky from Ukraine. It's so real. But he's actually with these two guys. Uh, On your opinion, uh, which countries uh, also suffered more from uh, uh, recent uh, political situation and uh, in in, in economic economy? I would say not the United States. You know, we have our own energy here, and and so it's really not us. I mean, it's clearly it's going to be the Eastern European. You know better than I do, but it's going to be Poland and the Eastern European countries that are that are right there in. Uh, you know better than you know, I in, do. Uh, Thinks he's talking to Zelensky. You so know, close to Ukraine, I would think they're the yeah. ones who have suffered. The ones who have. I'm aware that Ukraine's uh, suffering is. I mean, I can't personally experience it, but we all see what's happening. You know, people like me just want to support you in any way we can. But I, I have limited ways to do that in my in my professional job. So I I just to- talked to uh, Christine Lagarde recently, and she told that they have uh, already tried to minimize inflation. It's uh, the um, they they got already around seven uh, percent inflations. It's a prediction for them, but there are a lot of uh, many countries. So, um, what do you have your prediction about inflation uh, in the U.S.? I do, yes. Our policy rate quite a lot last year in order to slow the growth of the U.S. economy and, and enable inflation to come down, and we think that's working now. And I think we're very much on track to get inflation back down to our target, which is 2%. 
a lot depends on what happens in Ukraine on that mm-hmm. and, and, and it happens with Russia and there. I'll finish this when we get back. That's unbelievable. And he goes on to tell him things that are not even public information yet. All right, live from Studio 6B, Hour 2, coming up. Two live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Slick Rick sitting right there. Going to do some sports. We're going to do some news. Aaron and Fran holding it down as always. Of course, you, the live from Studio 6B audience, we're always grateful you give us a couple hours each and every night. We'll get to some of your comments, emails, thoughts as well. Everybody in the getter chat fired up. I see our friends Nick387 in there, TJ Ash. Uh, let's see. Class it up 10. KS man, step 44, Twitter. and a half, Slick Rick. We got an hour to go to get to 20K to see those boots in there. Wow. Broke spoke, Bobby Keister, Hawk Diesel. I see everybody, all our good friends in the chat. Info Geek, Philip Richards. They never make 20. She gone 24. They ain't making 24. What do you mean? No, it ain't going to happen. Come on. 12-8. Let's go. Uh, one of our friends in the getter chat, smart underscore right, sent me a, um, said, Big D, look at my message I just posted on my page. And I read it, and I, th- I think it's a pretty good idea. He says, uh, hey, LFS6B, I'm a daily viewer, fellow New Yorker. Considering how dire the situation we face has become, correct, I think it would be an amazing use of your platform to spend a portion of each show in some way highlighting the action that we all need to be inspired to undertake. Now, if you've been following us and watching us, what's the one thing I've always complained about, whether it's some of these um, meetings or get-togethers, CPAC kind of type things, what's the one thing I always say? It's all great to go, and there's great speeches, and everybody goes, and it's all well, fine, and good, and it's fine. This is great, you know, you, you network, you meet people, meet some of the people, you guys are, who, who buy tickets and go to these things. But what are the actionable items that we all leave there with? What, what are the actionable items that we leave there as a, either as a party or individuals? What are they? I've been focused on state legislatures. You know that even going back to the midterms. I said I'm more interested in what's going on in the state legislatures and these governors because at the rate we're going, they may be your last line of defense in protecting you from the tyranny of the federal government. So it's the, the fact that you use the word highlighting the action that we all need to be inspired to undertake, whether it's shining a light on someone who needs recognition for effective action or taking time to give people ideas and motivation on how they can take action. This will be an awesome way to further set your show above the other useless daily blah, 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 blah talk shows. Well, I think that's kind of where we fall right now. Maybe not as scripted as some others, but we, that's what we do, blah, blah, blah talk, right? We're not scripted at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, all. We need people to Zero. get inspired into action. I, I, I agree with all of that. 
And I don't know that I'm the one to give it to you. You should probably be giving it to us. You probably have better ideas. You, the audience, collectively, are probably going to come up with better ideas. I mean, we, we have this platform to two hours a night tell you what we're thinking about the, the things. And we love this as our little, you know, town hall or whatever you want to call it here. And we get, to, we get to interact with you. That's why we have the chat up all over the place so we can monitor to see what you guys are saying. So we try to monitor it as much as we can, even during the, during the breaks, during the segments. Um, but I know, I think you're, I think you're on, I think you're right about that. I think that's what we're going to need going into 24. Everyone's got to be taking action. And by the way, it doesn't, it, you don't need to be changing the world. Everybody just needs to do, you know, you could run for your school board. You could be, there's little things you can do. You can get out there and, um, you know, you can be the Paul Revere's of your little town or your whatever. You can. Especially as we get closer to 24, right? Yep. Make sure people are voting. Make sure just, there's all kinds of stuff that we can do. It's a representative republic, remember? Get in, make sure you're in touch with your representative republic. Make sure you're in touch with your representatives. There's so very little of that now. These bills, the way Pelosi and them ran, this ha- ran the House and... These bills get drawn up by, uh, you know, these, by four 24-year-olds in a dark closet somewhere, and they get voted on it three days later, and you have no idea what the hell's going on. You haven't talked to your senators. You haven't talked to your congress. You have no idea. You have no input whatsoever. We get farther and farther and farther. We get into a more, more post-constitutional world seemingly every day with this administration. But uh, no, I think it's. Uh, I think you're. I think you use a lot of good words in there. I think you're. I think you're right on. So, and we'll continue to do our part. We're in the fight every night here, two hours a night. We're we're blessed to have this two hours to do it to tell you. And um, we certainly are not going to all agree all the time on everything. We know that we, there's already things that I know the audience doesn't agree, and that's fine. That's what what we're supposed to do. We don't want to live in an echo chamber. That's what the other side does. It's healthy. They live it in really an echo is. chamber. It's healthy. Even, even, the, even the Joe Mansions of the world, if you say he's this, you know, still, he doesn't, when does he ever firmly push back? They all live in an echo chamber. Yes, Joe. Okay, Joe. Whatever you want, Joe. Rally the troops, link arms. No one ever dissents. I said that. Take two pieces of paper. On one, write the dissenters to Pelosi over the last four years. You'll have a blank piece of paper. On the right, put the dissenters in the Republican Party. You'll have names everywhere. You'll have groups, factions, names. They're never unified. It's the one thing in Tucker's statement that I don't know that I agreed with the other night. He said, we're a one-party state, talking about the uniparty. And I know what he means. We've talked about the uniparty a lot. But um, I think there's there's, there's a lot that we differ on. They truly are a uniparty, the left. They're, they're, they're abortion right up to the moment of birth. You can't get one of them to even, you can't get one of them to even discuss anything other than that. Like, well, no, maybe, no. So there are some things that we clearly differ on. So I don't think we're a one-party state, the United States, when it comes to everything. But I know what he means, so. Um... All right, glad you're in. Good stuff. We'll get to some more of your uh, more of your chat here in the Getter Chat. More of your emails. More of your everything that you send in. I want to thank everybody each and every night for all the emails that you do send. We try to read as many of them as possible. 
Let's talk about the nuclear family a little bit, speaking of the left and the things they want to attack besides our Constitution, besides our founding principles, besides our founding documents and our Supreme Court and our everything else. The nuclear family is right up there. Steve Feinstein wrote a piece called The Nuclear Family is Key to Democracy. And he says to, um, to say that things have become upside down in American society in the last 20 to 30 years might be the understatement of the century. However, to be perfectly fair, every succeeding younger generation has been met with calls of derision and criticism by the older generation. Cries of, ooh, look at what they show on TV or listen to those song lyrics. I can't believe what the kids are getting away with these days. Those are a constant with every new generation. There's nothing really new there. It is true, though, that every new age seems to bring with it a relaxation of moral standards, a redrawing of uh, previously held moral lines in the sand, a new interpretation of what is considered normal and acceptable. In the 1950s, TV married couples were shown sleeping in twin beds, (laughs) separated by a three-foot wide nightstand. That's ridiculous by today's standards. Yet there was a certain order to things in days gone by, an underpinning of absolute right and wrong that served as the foundation of the house of societal order. Even as the upper floors of swearing on TV or nudity in movies or vulgarity in music lyrics changed and became looser or more risque. Right through the 1980s, these aspects, among many others, of American culture remained largely unchanged all the way back to the 1950s. Kids did their homework, didn't talk back to their teachers, rarely entertained the idea of cheating. The thought of, quote, being called down to the principal's office was a serious and intimidating matter. As a young person, your mind was oriented towards finishing school, perhaps going on to college or trade school, getting a job, getting married, and raising a family. Two of, I think, the greatest joys, pure joy in life is, and everybody thinks a little differently about it, but I think two of the great joys of life to fulfill, really feel, is marriage and kids, raising kids, having kids. I mean, I'll just speak for myself because I don't want to put words in other people's mouth how they feel about it, but having kids and Marrying the love of, there's no, there's no greater joy. Your relationship, I think, with God and going to church and things like that. But there's no greater joy than building a life with someone, marrying the person, feeling like you can't be without them, and raising kids. Having kids and raising kids. The old phrase, wait till your father gets home, was truly frightening to a misbehaving child. If a girl got into trouble, it was a point of life-disrupting sadness, at least, and complete family humiliation at the worst. Underage smoking, drinking, or drug use was seriously frowned upon, explicitly punishable by law, and a cause for social repudiation. Individual reputations were often broken with lifelong implications. All these facets of American life through the 1980s were tied together by one common element. The majority of American households were children where two parents were in the household. 
They were, of course, a minority of one-parent households by way of divorce or early death, but those were the exception. Two-parent households were the norm. Before 1980, out-of-wedlock births were a small minority of the total. Since the 1990s, that number has risen to over 40% of all births, which is an astonishing number, and is even higher among the black and Hispanic communities, estimated at 70% and 51% in 2018, respectively. The decline of the two-parent household since around 1990 has ushered in a marked deterioration in the decency and ethical principles of American life. Proponents of the so-called enlightenment and tolerance of current social norms and behaviors may scoff at the attitudes and practices of the 1960s or 1980s, but the nuclear two-parent families of a few decades ago did, in fact, impart a structured, widely accepted, and absolute sense of right and wrong that today's youth simply do not have. The rules of right and wrong transcended racial and democratic boundaries and were independent of income or social class. Everyone knew what was right and what was wrong. That certainly doesn't mean everyone adhered to those rules because they didn't, but everyone knew the rules. Kids were taught by their families that you went to school, respected your elders, behaved properly in public, good table manners, no bad language at the restaurant, no chewing gum in church, synagogue, held the door for elders, women, that kind of thing, showed up for work on time and gave it a good effort, kept your word, didn't steal, didn't cheat, and so on. Those were the rules. We all knew them. I'll give you the rest of this when we get back. family now has an alleged 12 members involved in the family business of influence peddling. What is even more interesting is that the members of the Biden family are using the White House as their fortress to evade being served legal papers, like in the case of Hunter Biden. According to the New York Post, Hunter Biden's baby's mama can't serve him the papers because he's hiding out at the White House. My sources are telling me that more than one Biden is hiding out in the most guarded house in the world, the People's House. Take the case of London Roberts. She's been actively trying to serve Hunter Biden papers regarding child support and other paternal matters. The issue is this. The Biden family does not acknowledge the child, even though the court has through DNA testing. They've confirmed unequivocally that this child is Hunter Biden's. How many family members are living in the White House? Why do they continue to hide from the media? Will Congress and James Comer even be able to get anyone from this family to be held accountable? With Attorney General Merrick Garland giving commencement speeches around the country, one would think he would be looking for the wolf in the hen house, or even maybe appoint a special counsel. Remember those? 
I'm Christopher Carter in Washington, D.C. Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Slick Rick's going to do some sports here in a second. Aaron and Fran holding it down. I want to thank Chris Carter, as always, for his great pieces. Yes. Um, I love reading the chat. Obviously, people are clearly relating to this. What I thought when I read it this morning was a fantastic article. That's why I wanted to bring it to you, because I think it's one of the big things this country struggles with. <clears throat> and the left, of course... Um, not that there's not some who I think still believe in the new. There's plenty, but just not the elected ones. And even if they do, they just go along with, uh, you know, they just go along with what's going on at the top of the party. When that's it's just an attack on the nuclear family. But anyways, I love reading in the chat some of the uh, little anecdotes that people are putting in, other memories of things related to these these ideas the idea of natural law the idea of knowing right from wrong the idea of everything that mr feinstein here is laying out um uh so some really good things in there so keep them coming little things like that um so let me just finish this and i'll post this on all our social media i think i've already put it on our twitter he says, that knowledge of right and wrong is the glue. This might be the most important sentence of the whole thing. The, the knowledge of right and wrong is the glue that holds a civil society together and enables it to operate correctly. Translated from childhood behavior to adult workplace practices, the time-honored rules of right and wrong provide the guidelines for the proper functioning of business relationships in a free market economy. In a capitalistic system, there is a high degree of intrinsic trust and expectation between buyer and seller participants. Each party expects the other to operate within the bounds of ethical behavior. While there is complete understanding by each side that the other will endeavor to leverage the transaction to their maximum advantage, the seller tries to maximize their profit while the buyer seeks the best deal and the best terms for his part. This marketplace adversarial confrontation is underpinned by the assumption of a basic inherent fairness to the game. Within the rules of right and wrong, each side is free to exercise their skill and experience to achieve the most advantageous outcome possible. However, the system only works when both sides recognize that the overall game is indeed governed by the notion of the rules of right and wrong. Rules that have been imparted generation after generation after generation by the structure of the two-parent nuclear family. The exact same holds true for politics and our justice system. We all understand how things are supposed to be, what fairness and even-handedness are, and how the pillars of government and the courts should act. While there is a widespread recognition that there has always been some degree of law for the privileged, quote-unquote, ranging from fixing a speeding ticket to a non-prosecution for the child of a senator, for the most part, the average citizen could count on a reasonably fair shake at the hands of the law. Likewise, in politics, people used to have fairly high confidence in the integrity of our electoral system and the notion that most public servants were there, in fact, to serve the public. 
But now everything that defined the successful, legitimate functioning of the American capitalistic democracy is coming under serious question. People have lost faith in marketplace fairness. Businesses are thought to cheat and discriminate so people feel no compunction stealing from them. Young congresspeople accept gifts of expensive clothing, commit insider trading crimes based on their exclusive foreknowledge of pending legislation. Yet they are publicly criticized. Um, though, yet they publicly criticize those who dare object. All manner of apparent personal behavior, such as men identifying as women, so they can invade the girls' locker room, is excused under the disingenuous guise of tolerance. The word democracy for Americans has come to represent more than just a voting system. Our democracy stands for the opportunity to choose one's work, to build a life of one's choosing, to be treated fairly under the law as long as one follows the rules, and to essentially have the freedom to live without the fear of oppressive governmental dictates, all the while having the ability to have your voice heard in a legitimate way by vote or petition or peaceful demonstration. Democracy stood for all of this because of the deep-rooted concepts of right and wrong as taught to us all as children for generations by law-abiding two-parent families. When you take away the two-parent family, American democracy, as defined above, collapses like a wobbly Jenga tower. I think that's one of the best pieces I've come across in a very long time. It is so absolutely right on, and it is so absolutely at the crux of what is going on in the culture wars of today, structurally in this country today. Those of us, and I was born in the 70s, a lot of you were born even before that. Yep. This, this has to resound so um, right in the center of your chest, because most of us grew up with all of these ideals. Right, Slick? No doubt. No question. Absolutely. Right on point, Big I mean, you listen to that, it just brings you back to, I mean, you could just, when you listen to some of that, it just brings you back to moments in your life. No question about it. When you did something wrong, when you, when you didn't want to go home, when you, oh. you were waiting for dad to get home while you were working on your homework and thinking, oh my God, when he walks through the front door. If a neighbor walked up my sidewalk, my father would say, uh, the driveway, my father would say, you're dead. I don't care what the guy says. Just the fact that he's coming into the house to talk about you, if it isn't good, you're dead. That's how I lived. I was in fear. No question. No question. Yeah. Um, I love what I'm reading in the chat. Law enforcement uh, now used as mafia muscle. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's going so fast, I can't even think. Oh, but fine. I love yeah. people talking about because this is... The, your comments right now are exactly that, taking you back. Uh, oh, I love the dates coming through. Is that, I guess, <laughs> yeah, the dates of when people were born? Yeah, RD518, 1951. That's Nancy Krasuski, 1958. That's Florida great. Sun Gosh, 79. Big D, 1972, that would be, right? Yes, it would be, 1972. Yep. Yes, it would be. Do you, know what, do you know what day in 1972 it was? April something, right? April 28th. That would be when? Tomorrow. Oh, good gravy. Oh, oh we got to buy a birthday cake oh. for Big D. Oh, I got to go to, now I got to stop and get a birthday cake for the guy. There we go. Oh, Wow. Man. It's tomorrow. Yeah. Good gravy. It's tomorrow. Wow. Big D. 
Tune in tomorrow. We're going to have a big show tomorrow and I have a big day. Taking a day off. <laughs> no, oh, kidding. great. I'll be on I'm my just show. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'd be some show. Come on, baby. I think we have some cake and ice cream in the freezer that's as old as Dan. <laughs> <laughs> From last year. Craft services. <laughs> little crumb cake. <laughs> Inflation is still hot on everyone's mind as the election of 2024 approaches. How is this affecting everyday Americans in their pocketbooks? I hit the streets of D.C. to find out. Listen to what they have to say. I'm obviously aware of it, and it's a little bit concerning. I prefer lower interest rates. I assume the Fed's doing a pretty good job of dealing with it, and I'm expecting them to come down. Because pay hasn't gone up, but expenses have gone up. Food, housing, all of that. Personally, not that much. It's less money in my wallet. Um, gas, food, um, travel, like all the things that I'm used to doing cost a little bit more, so a little less money in my pocket. Marginally, but I would say if you probably fast track 10 years at the same rate, uh, sure, absolutely. But as long as income sort of adjusts with that. So the company that I work with actually adjusted my income when inflation increased recently. Uh, it's taking all my money. <laughs> Significant food prices are bad. Gas prices are still elevated. So it's a concern. But I, have, I make a good living, so it's not as much of a concern as it might be for somebody who doesn't. I'm Christopher Carter, reporting from Washington, D.C. All right, 31 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. I like that piece. Yeah. I like that Get Real shirt Christopher Carter was wearing, too. It looked good. Yes. All right, let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and MyPillow, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Use our promo code LFS6B at checkout. If you're shopping for Mother's Day coming up, Father's Day coming up, or if you're shopping for Big D's birthday and you're going to put it in the mail tonight. <laughs> Overnight Express, baby. Uh, exactly right. Let me know. Uh, but use our code LFS6B either way. And then tell us what you want from our store. And send us your receipt, the emailed receipt that you get from uh, MyPillow that has your uh, promo code on it, has your uh, shipping address. And then tell us what you want from our store. We'll send it out to you for free. I got a ton of them to do this weekend, man. Oh, so many. We're going to be busy Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Slick Rick, what's going on in sports? I got to buy a cake tomorrow. I gotta, <laughs> no, gonna, no, oh, yeah, no, come don't. on. Come on. Nobody come cares. On. Come on. Mike Lindell says buy a sheet cake for you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the NFL draft. Big oh, D, boy. where did we leave off? We left off at Anthony Richardson from Florida going to the Colts. Well, at number five from Illinois, Seattle Seahawks pick up cornerback Devin Witherspoon. And then the uh, Cardinals picked up Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle at Ohio State. The Raiders. And we got Nick 387, big Raider fan, Big D. They picked up a good edge rusher from Texas Tech. Yeah, Red Raiders. Tyree Wilson, I think they got a good pick there, believe it or not. 
Bijan Robinson, that coveted running back from Texas, he went to Atlanta. They could certainly use a running game there. So good for them. You were hoping uh, the Cowboys got nah, it. 26. They were in Disneyland <laughs> thinking that they were never getting that pick. Uh, Jalen Carter, defensive tackle from Georgia, another good looking player. I'll tell you, he had a beautiful suit on. I just bought a beautiful raincoat, Big D. Same color shade as that fellow walked up on the stand with his beautiful suit. Jalen Carter from Georgia going to the uh, Eagles. And Darnell Wright, offensive tackle to Tennessee. And now number 11 pick, uh, Tennessee Titans, is on the clock. Well, that pick just came in, but I I don't have it yet. uh, And then Detroit Lions are on the clock. So, wounding down. Green Bay is coming up. New England. Oh, the Jets. They're going to have some team this year with the great Aaron Rodgers. They got high hopes in New York or technically New Jersey, as us New Yorkers know. So, a lot of good picks coming up. All right. Let's get to the playoffs. Very important. Right now, only one game in action. East first round, NBA Game 6. Boston leading the series 3-2. to two. Down in Atlanta, they preempted a Janet Jackson concert. That's a big deal, you know. But the Celtics up 68-67 at the half. Tight game. Who knows? Can the Hawks force a Game 7? I sure hope so because my Joel Embiid needs to rest his knee before we face whoever the winner of that series is. And then NHL, let's go to the ice. And we're in Toronto. Lightning right now looking to keep their season alive as they trail Toronto 3-1 to one in the series. But they're up 3-1 to one in the game. And that's what it's all about. Four minutes to go in the third. Commanding lead. So without a big Toronto comeback at the end, Lightning will look to go 3-2 and get that back down to Amelie. So my friends down in Tampa, and there's plenty of them in the chat and on that will love the show. Good luck to you. Let's hope they get down there. See these series go. The Devils right now with a commanding 3 nothing lead. Big D over the Rangers in Jersey. I mean, what has happened to the Ooh, Rangers? I mean, the I, Rangers I, three in a row could be. You lose two at home, then you go lose game the pivotal game uh, five. Yes, they're great. And the Rangers were, oh were the, you know, the favorite team, Big D. Uh, that series right now tied at two. But if the Devils can pull it out, they'll be up 3-2. Looking to close it out in the garden. Oh, man, Frank the Tank's going to be fired up tonight. <laughs> Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank is going to be out of his mind. Anyway, and then the Jets and Golden Knights, another good game. Game five out in where else? Vegas, the only place to be, right? That series, Vegas is up 3-1. to one. They're looking to put Winnipeg to bed. And that's a 10-20 puck drop. Uh, NBA, uh, let's see. Let's get to the MLB. I'll give you a real quick one. I got a little time. Let me have a little show here. All right. Mets right now trailing Nats 8-7, to seven, top of the eighth, down in City Field, just, just a little bit west of us. Uh, Rays 13-2, bombing the White Sox middle of the eighth. Orioles lead the uh, Tigers 7-4, end of eight. Twins 7-1, bottom of the seventh over the Royals. The Yankees up 3-0 over the Rangers, bottom of the sixth. Marlins beat the Braves earlier tonight 5-4. Pirates 6-2 over the Dodgers. Ooh, the Pirates lost a legend today. I'll get into that a little bit later. Phillies 1-0 over the Mariners. That's the final. Cubs 5-2 over the Padres. And Cardinals blank the Giants. Six zip and the Angels and Athletics. Angels winning that one 8-7. Here's a cute story. Big day. I think somebody's finally getting it right. Speaking of New Jersey, New Jersey Little League sets new rule to stop parents from screaming at umpires. This is Warner Todd Houston of Breitbart. I love Breitbart sports. A South Jersey Little League organization has set a new rule to cut down on spectators in the stands screaming and arguing with umpires, according to 
reports. Uh, Deptford Township Little League officials have implemented the rule after years of unruly parents going crazy whenever they disagree with the call. The new policy uh, could find complainers suffering a penalty or face barred, being barred from games, according to WPVI-TV. They think that the call was bad, which always amazes me that they can see a strike better over than the umpire one foot away than them. Uh, Deptford Township Little League President Don Buzafi said of uh, the attack on umps. Buzafi added that the verbal assault has gotten so bad that that several volunteer umps have refused to officiate at league games. Uh, so the township just south of Delaware River from Philadelphia has set in place a new rule requiring an argumentative spectator to volunteer to be an umpire for three games to be allowed back on the sidelines of a spectator as a spectator. The main purpose is not for them to be able to call a baseball game, but for them to see what's going on out there and that it's not easy, said Busafi. They're not baseball players, they're children. So always keep that in the back of your mind and let them play. The TV station added that some of the parents of the Little Leaguers uh, they talked to like the idea. If the parents are going to be sitting there yelling the whole entire game, they might as well use that energy out on the field, player mom Caitlin Tokley told the station. So basically, big day. If you got a big mouth, you're going to go on the field. You're going to call balls and strikes. You're going to call outs and what have you at second base. And otherwise, if you don't do three games and call it right, you're out the door. I don't know. I think it's a little soft. I think it should either be firing line or directly to jail. (laughs) There you go. One more quick one. Big day. I know we talked about this story off air, and I got to be careful. I don't slip on what I say. But ESPN reporter fired for calling fellow reporter A... F, you know, you read about it, but Dylan Gwynn of Breitbart. <laughs> yeah, you go read about you it. You go read about it. Someone at ESPN has reportedly not been working and playing well with others. Now that person is no longer at ESPN. Apparently, a lot of people aren't at ESPN because good old woke Disney is letting a lot of people lay off. Because why? Well, they're woke Disney. Go woke, go broke. We always say that on the show. According to the report from the New York Post, Marley Rivera, one of ESPN's Emily reporters, was fired last week after calling another female who was waiting for an Aaron Judge interview a... Beep, bing, beep. Uh, the incident report, you know, women can get very, you know, they can get very fired up. Uh, the incident reportedly occurred last Tuesday at Junkie Stadium. Uh, the conflict started when Yvonne Gate, a uh, freelance reporter for Tokyo Broadcasting and wife of MLB Vice President of Communications, John Blundell, arrived to interview Yankee captain, the great Aaron Judge. Rivera was already on site to interview Judge and says she told Gate she had already scheduled the time to interview him. Rivera's explanation apparently fell on deaf ears is as Gate ignored it. Uh, in the ensuing argument, Rivera called Gate a doo-doo-doo, uh, an obscenity <laughs> that was captured on video. It's pretty, it's yeah. pretty, pretty. Uh, yeah, two words. Yeah. First one starts with F. Second one starts with the third letter of the alphabet. That's right. about all you need to know. You right. can figure it out from there. Not good. your favorite candy back in the day. Runs. So, uh, in a statement to the Post, <laughs> I, mean, I thought I was pretty did much did well, a good job. Listen, like runs, runs was a great candy, Big D, back in the day. Anyway, I'm giving them the rhyme. Sure I ain't giving them the jime. Anyway, I, and she fully accepted responsibility. It's it's just a funny story, but boy, I got to be careful as sportscasters. I told you about the mad Hungarian, and now we got another mad woman. Ooh, you got to be careful what you say on sports, Oof. Big D. You got to yeah, be sure careful. Do. Anyway, that's a wrap in sports. Right, I, slick, I think right. I did enough damage <laughs> all right let's uh let's get to a couple of these videos from today so uh put on my screen aaron first let's go into the press briefing room and as i tweeted most informative press briefing here uh in a while let's uh let's hear this now uh some breaking news because i know the, you young reporters love breaking news about uh, about the president so his favorite ice cream 
is graters, greeters, how do you, greeters? Graters. I don't eat ice cream, don't. I know, chocolate chip, and he loves a good pair of sunglasses. Have you guys seen the president wear sunglasses? Yeah, he looks pretty good in eight. Okay, there you go. That's about as much information straight directly that you've gotten in there in a while. So that was there. Uh, let's see what this one is. So this is, let's not, we'll skip that one. We'll skip uh, this one. Here we go. All right, here we go, Biden. Here's Biden with the kids. Here's the first yes, one. Yes, baby. What's it like in the White House? Well, what's it like in the White House? Well, here, come here. I'm not there. <laughs> you hang with me for a minute. And I, you don't want to go in the White House? Okay, all right. Okay. Nice try, Joe. Smart kid. Yes, baby. Yes. yes so baby. that was the first one. Literally tried to take the kid into the White House. <laughs> the kid thought twice about it. The kid was too smart. Here's the next one. By the way, the one thing I thought... By the way, this is the one that he has complete clarity of mind and of thought. Listen to this. By the way, the one thing I thought when I got to be president, I'd get to give orders. But I take more orders than I ever did, and you're right, babe. What's your name? By the way, the yeah. one thing... Who's giving him the orders, I wonder? That one he seemed pretty, pretty, uh, pretty clear about. Here's the next question. The last country I've traveled, I'm thinking what's the last one I was in. I, I've, I've been to 89, I met with 89 heads of state so far. <laughs> Kid asked him so, where he's uh, been. I'm trying to think, what was the, the last, last country? Where was the last place I was? It's hard to Can't keep remember. track. Um, Ireland, I, you idiot. I, I mean, yeah, you're right, Ireland. Little kid screamed it. That's where it was. The kid knew. Yeah. How did you know that? Far. So uh, I'm trying to think, what was the last, where was the last place I was? It's hard to keep track. Um, Listen. I was. I, I mean, yeah, you're right, Ireland. That's where it was. How'd you know that? Yeah, because he's smarter than you. That's how he knew that. Here's the last one. Where are your Where are your um, grandsons or granddaughters? We're okay. Her name is Amelia. She wants to know where my granddaughters are. One granddaughter lives in in Pennsylvania in philadelphia one granddaughter lives in new york one granddaughter lives in washington one granddaughter lives in wilmington delaware four and the other grandsons uh, my my grandson lives in california five i left somebody out didn't i anyway philadelphia wilmington and i did say five you're right so let me see i got one in new york Two in yes. Philadelphia. There's a three. No, three, because I got one granddaughter who is, I don't know. Oh You're confusing me, but they're all around. Wilmington, <laughs> Where's California. The key? Where's the keys for the nuclear football? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Glad you've been a part of the show. Man, it's going fast. Slick Rick, me and you, we can do it again tomorrow. Super fast tonight. Yeah, we'll do it again tomorrow night. On my birthday, we'll have some cake. Um, 
Aaron and Fran holding it down as always. So a couple last things I want to get to. Let's do, we got a couple LOL of the days here, Aaron. Let's pick one and uh, roll that. There are no political appointees in the FBI. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Yep. That's, that's, an, that's definitely an LOL laugh out loud. Are you kidding me? <laughs> There's no political appointment. What are you, nuts? Yeah, reindeer fly, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I assure you. That guy is probably the worst decision of the Trump. Uh, probably the worst. Mm. There's a lot of things you could point to. We've talked about personnel. But that... That guy's got to be right up there as the worst decision. Holy cow! And I know, if, I know, whatever Chris, 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 Krispy Kreme Christie had something to do with the uh, pushing him on him, I guess, or whatever. But oh my god! Oh. I'll right, do the other LOL, Aaron. If you've got that, fire it up and roll it. Let me be clear. Our border is not open. <laughs> yeah, sure. Not at all. Yeah. So those, those, those two take the cake today. Those two comments, those two sentences. Are you kidding me with both of those? I mean, this is the delusion that we're fed from these people. There's no political points, no political bias going on at the FBI, and the border's not open. These, 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 these two guys today. Really? <laughs> really? Well, I mean, someone's going to tell us that Biden just left the Mensa meeting today, too? Is that, what, is that, <laughs> yeah, the, is that sure. the third thing we're going to hear today? Yeah, the third grade version. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> the border's not open. Okay, sure. All right. Border's not open. All right, let's do some, uh, we'll do some last-minute sports here and a couple other things before we wrap it up for a Thursday night. Slick Rick, keep us up on what's going on in the playoffs and the draft. What's uh, going on? We got to get right on to the draft, Big D. Well, the uh, Eagles picked up a good defensive tackle as well from Georgia, Jalen Carter. Darnell Wright, offensive tackle, Tennessee. Got to build those lines, of course. And uh, Tennessee Titans, Petey Skoronsky, offensive tackle, Northwestern. Good program there. And uh, the draft. Detroit Lions, Jaheim Gibbs, running back, Alabama. Boy, the Lions are in a lot of trouble. They lost a couple of players due to gambling this year. So they had a nice team. I like the way they were coming back with Dan Campbell, but they better start drafting heavy because they're going to need help. And uh, good edge rusher over to Green Bay, Lucas Van Ness. He just went on the clock at number 13 and number 14, Broderick Jones, another offensive lineman. Not exactly household names. The Jets are on the clock now, though, uh, looking to make a pick. Number 15, they just picked up Aaron Rodgers. I saw today the Jets are going to have some cap hit for Rodgers' contract in 2024. So, you know what they say? They better get it done in 2023. So, we'll see what happens with the Jets. Uh, let's shoot over to a couple of quick stories. Do you think he's committed to more than one year? No, I don't. I mean, I think it depends on how it goes. If, he, if they go in four and, let's see, four and 13, because it's now 17 games, he won't be happy. But you know what, Big D? If they get in the hunt and they get to the second, third round of the playoffs and he senses they got a shot with a couple of moves, 
he'll come back. He's going to evaluate. If they have a bad season and they get bombed, he's going to he's going to leave with his fifty some odd million. Yeah, he guy's set for life. He can go back on Jeopardy and be the host for God's sakes, Aaron Rodgers. Hey, speaking of shows, Jerry Springer died. Today. Oh, the great Jerry Springer, boy, but did he expose the underbelly of white trash in this nation like no other back he in was the a, day? He, you know, he was a smart. He got played off as you know this. Uh, he sure. was a smart guy, former mayor of Cincinnati. Yeah. I love guy. Cincinnati, Ohio, baby, my smart favorite guy. place. He was fully in on the joke of everything he did. Yeah, he, knew he it. was. Yeah, friend. absolutely. Comedic genius. Uh, those shows were well, they were epic back in the day, right? My goodness, most of them were filmed out here on Long Island. Seventy-nine. You know, it's kind of you know by today's standards, young too. It is very young. Seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. Yeah. Listen, everybody on this show that watches, you got to be living nineties, hundred. That's that's the norm now. Come on. It's terrible to see people leave at that age. So much life left to be lived for so many. Uh, let's get to the playoffs real quick, Big D. So Hawks lead the Celtics 77-76, seven to go in the third. A lot of time there yet. Devils continue to lead the Rangers 3-0, eight minutes to go in uh, game five. Looks like the uh, Rangers are going to be have their backs against the wall in the garden this weekend, Big D. We didn't see that coming. And Maple Leafs, well, they fell to the Lightning 4-2 to tonight in the NHL. Games five as well. Toronto now is a commanding 3-2 leads in that series. And Jets and Golden Knights for our friends out in Vegas that uh, root for the uh, the Golden Knights. We'll see how that goes as well. I'll report on that tomorrow night. And, well, some sad news. And I'd be remiss if I didn't get this gentleman in because he was a legend. Former Pirates great Dick Rote, a two-sports star, dies at 92. This is an AP report out of Pittsburgh. Dick Rote, a two-sports star who went from All-American Garden basketball to a brief stint in the NBA to ultimately an all-star shortstop and the national 1960 National League MVP while playing baseball for his hometown, Pittsburgh Pirates, passed away at 92 years old. Finally, the, Peng- the Pirates are putting him in the uh, in the Hall of Fame, of their Hall of Fame, which is silly. I, don't, I can't believe he hasn't been in all these years. But uh, he played in eight All-Star games. Uh, and during Pittsburgh's improbable run to World Series in 1960, it was Grote and not future Baseball Hall of Famer, the great Robert Roberto Clemente and Bill Mazeroski, who spearheaded the Pirates' unlikely rise from perennial All-Star ran the championship. It was Grote. Grote is just an absolute great player. Had a phenomenal career. 2,100 career hits. And uh, anyway, rest in peace, the great. Great, 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 great uh, Dick wrote. So uh, that's a wrap in sports. Pretty much Big D. I got a couple other stories, but you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll pick them up tomorrow. I'm All right, gonna... so Greg, one of the video, Aaron, throw on my screen if you want. Um, Jackie Heinrich asked about yesterday's debacle. Listen to uh, listen to this. Thanks, Greg. Um, the LA Times said that their reporter did not submit any questions in advance of yesterday's yeah, press sure. conference. So to <laughs> people who saw that pocket card, can you explain how that ended up there and why the president time travelers put it there so just to just to step back and i'm actually glad you asked that question sure uh, clearly are. i would let uh, uh, the the reporter for uh, los angeles times speak for herself <laughs> uh, it is entirely normal for a president to be briefed on reporters who will be asking questions at a press conference and issues that we expect they might ask about uh, it is not surprising that yesterday uh, we would anticipate questions that he did receive right on the visit uh, with uh, with the south korean president as South Korean president was sitting, standing to his, to his right, or about 2024, that was uh, completely expected, or about the debt ceiling, uh, which he took questions at the end, shouted questions at the end, and of course we would note those issues shouted to him. Uh, uh, those li- like those issues uh, to him will likely come up, 
And let's it's not forget, category. we do these briefings <laughs> every day, and a lot of the questions that you that you all tell me, that's how we brief him as well. You all ask me, that's how we <laughs> brief him as well. So, um, I'm sure. look, we, we do not have specific questions in advance. That's not something that we do. And in fact, I would point yes. out the question yes, that was asked was different uh, than what was on the card that uh, you all <laughs> saw. Um, and look, uh, again, we have these press conferences. The president takes your questions. Uh, we always, our job is to get a sense of uh, what you all want to ask him. That is our job here, to get a sense of what's uh, the, the, the news of the day, uh, the topics Stop you all it. are interested. Stop it. Nonsense. Total <laughs> nonsense. Everything she says is nonsense. nonsense. We saw the card. You got caught. He held it too high. We got the picture. Who are you kidding? If the AP hadn't snagged that picture, we would have never known. And this, wouldn't, this prepared remark she has, total nonsense. Of course she submitted it. We all saw it. The fact that it wasn't word for word. You had, to, you had to lay out who was there on the other card and hit, and he had to put you in capital. Like, you're, sir, you're there. Don't forget that you're there, sir. You're, you're there at the podium talking. You, breathing. <laughs> Make sure you keep breathing. You're there. I mean, give me a break. What, this is all, it's all an act. It's one big show. And unfortunately, we're at the show, but we didn't buy the tickets. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active, police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines, everybody that keeps the country moving, all the truckers, all the farmers. Thanks, Slick Rick. It was fun. We'll do it again tomorrow. Aaron and Fran, thanks as always. Most of all, thank you to live from Studio 6B audience. Well, we didn't hit 15, Slick Rick. We didn't hit 20. Come on, show those boots. Show them. Oh, oh man, you're tough.